and Gogain Voyage de Tahiti. And at the E-Bar on the 1st is Salsa Night, and on the 3rd is DJ Scotty Day. The Bookshelf is an independently owned bookstore, bar, music venue, movie theater, and restaurant located at 41 Quebec Street. For more info about the Bookshelf's hours, listings, blogs, directions, accessibility, and to order books from their online store from anywhere in the world, please visit bookshelf.ca. As you're listening to the following music selections, adjust the volume, bass, and treble controls to suit your tastes. On today's episode of Android's Dungeon, summer, halfway through... I can see it dwindling. What that means is that obviously summer blockbusters are out, and we're going to be sneaking around, sneaky, sneaky snakes. And I'm joined by a very special guest. Stay tuned. Welcome to CFRU 93.3 FM, University of Guelph, Guelph, Ontario campus, blah, blah, blah. This is Android's Dungeon, a show about board games, video games, music, movies, uh, what happened to you just before you went into the studio, uh, <laughs> did, someone, <laughs> did someone give you a stink eye as you were at some point throughout the day? Uh, I am Jack. And I'm Kayla. Kayla, we haven't heard you on the show in a while. How are you? Uh, I'm well, thank you. It has been a while. But don't you worry. I've been playing a lot of games, <laughs> watching a lot of movies, and having a lot of things done in my direction. <laughs> yeah, you've you've seen a lot of things, I bet, uh, as you were walking over to the studio or driving over. I guess walking from the parking lot to the I did studio. walk from the parking lot, yes. It's, uh, it's interesting how I'm always cognizant of the amount of people on their phones when not not in their cars or nothing like that nothing like that but just like if you're i think if you pay attention you're not on your phone yourself next time you're just walking somewhere and if you see people sitting around count how many people are actually on their phones as opposed to just sitting and staring or taking things in this isn't a judgment of any sort but just i think it's interesting how often it's like it's right there in the hand people need to be constantly entertained well i need to be constantly entertained too so i know but you're a child so <laughs> It's some harsh judgments. We like to start off every show the same way because routine is good. Kayla, what Jack. have you been playing recently? Jack, I've been playing a lot of things. Um, we've been getting a lot of new games at our house, and <laughs> <laughs> we've had to play them. Yeah, um, it's, a, it's a chore. <laughs> it is a chore. And we've had some friends over recently, so we've been uh, picking out some games. So... Uh, recently, we have played Pit. It's been a long time since we played Pit, but then we went and played it two weekends in a row, and that was pretty cool. So, for those who don't know, please give it because it's a very simple and it's actually an yeah. ancient game. It's been around it's for a long super, time. Super, super ancient and super simple. So, you put the number of commodities that are equal the number of players playing into uh, a deck and shuffle it up and deal them out, and everyone ends up with nine or ten cards. And the game is premised on being like a stock market. So you're trying to corner the market. And you corner the market by getting all of the same type of commodity in your hand. 
Um, and if you get the you, if you get it, you yell corner, and everyone's mad at you because <laughs> you just got a bunch of points. Uh, but the game is premised around trading. So you trade with the people around you, but you don't tell them what you have. You just say, "I have two, I have two, I have two, or I have three, I have three, I have three, and then you just have to take what they give you. Um, and then to obviously make it fun, there are some not so great things in the deck. There is a bear and a bull, just like we have the markets. There's a bear market and there's a bull market. So. Um, uh, both the bear and the bull can be bad, but the bull can also be good. Uh, the bull can count as a wild card if you only have eight others. If you have nine and the bull, then you get a double corner and you get just tons of points. And you know, money just rains down from the ceiling onto you. <laughs> um, so it's a really cool game. It's really fast. It's loud. It is frustrating. And all, most of the people in the game end up um, in the negatives. It's a lovely little game that it, it takes the... Because we've talked about uh, Civilization on the show so many times, and I think the most dynamic part of Civilization, or at least the most exciting part, is when you get into the trading phase, which is when everyone has their commodities, and you're going around and you're trying to trade these commodities. And I think if, if anyone has played Civilization, hasn't played Pit, the best way to describe it is that imagine somebody took the, um, the trading of commodity phase in Civ and said, what would happen if this was way faster, way louder, and way dumber, and let's let's keep going. And that's kind of what this game is. It is loud. It is, if you are a, a sensitive soul, you are not going to have a good time because... <laughs> I feel like there's a lot of games that we play that are not good for sensitive souls. Well, because a lot, especially, and I say this, like, because I think there are two games, and maybe this is a broader topic, and, and I use sensitive soul <laughs> kind of loosely on this, on the show. But I guess for me, a sense of soul comprises two different types. There's the sense of soul that's very introverted. They sit there and they're not good at putting themselves out and shouting and and making their voice mm-hmm. heard. And in that case, Pit is not. You're not going to have a good time. <laughs> well, it's, same with things like Resistance. Like it's going to be a boring game. Exactly for you. right. Mm-hmm. So you have to you have to defend yourself, but you also have to put yourself out there. And you're not going to have a good time. People aren't going to have a good time because maybe they want to trade with you, but you're just you're being. You feel like you're being bullied or you just can't make your voice out there. So you're not going to – Pit is not for you. And then the other type of sensitive soul is the type that uh, I think it takes things personally or can't handle mm-hmm. a, sort of a, a take that or uh, now you can't do what you want to do, which is – nobody likes it when it happens to them. But at the end of the day, it's just a game and taking it personally is something else. But it, it, I find the, the sensitive soul on that side is someone that just can't handle that sort of conflict. So that's why – Euros are so popular because, typically speaking, it's much more of a passive-aggressive uh, sort of take that. But anyway, Pit, d- insanely inexpensive. What mm-hmm. What is the actual, like, if you walked into a store, what would you pay for? Like, 11 bucks, 12 bucks, mm, Maybe 15 And even that seems like a lot of money because it's just a deck of cards, essentially. But um, Maybe you could make your own Pit. You could make your own Pit in two seconds. Like, you could only ju- honestly just take a deck of cards, 52 cards, and uh, split them up by suits. And just if you get nine of whatever suits, you're in good shape. And like the queen of spades is the bull or the bear. And you just go from there. I don't know. You could, I'm, all I'm saying, folks, is you can make your own version of Pit. But tons of fun. Everyone seems to enjoy it yeah, when we play Yeah, everyone loves Pit. It's easy. It's a really good game. And you know what? Just It doesn't outwear or You don't want to play it so much. It uh, outstays is welcome. But yeah, it, you play a few rounds and then yeah. you're done. Like, you can play to an X of point value if you want, but usually you can kind of read the room a little bit. That uh, Oh, is yeah. it, are people fading a bit? Anyway, so Pit. What else do you remember playing, Kim? Uh So, pretty cool game that we got this week. This week? Um, Brass. Okay, very good. Lancashire. 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 
Yeah. So this is by a guy. What's his name? Martin. Martin Wallace. Martin Wallace. So Martin Legendary Wallace. Designer makes one of my other favorite games which is via nebula because i love it because it's so cute and the pieces are so nice and i just think it's a really lovely little game and so he makes this game as well and this is a special kickstarter edition yes and it came packaged with brass birmingham birmingham yeah uh which is lancashire's little brother type situation and uh, Lancashire, Lancashire, I can't pronounce that well. I don't think <laughs> I'm not meant to be British. I think everyone knows what you're trying to say. So. Um, well, if you go to our Instagram, you can see exactly what I'm talking about. Kayla, what's our Instagram? Uh, AD Radio on CFRU. Search for Android's Dungeon or um, something else, maybe. I, I just want to put it out there oh, that Android's Dungeon CFRU. Yeah, I want to put it out there that Kayla is the. Uh, is our social media coordinator as far as uh, Instagram goes because Jack can't figure that out. <laughs> Old man Jack doesn't understand how yeah. Instagram works. I wasn't doing a great job. There was a huge gap between our last posts. But this post does have a cat in it. Oh, yeah. We, we try to put in the cat in the pictures, for, at least uh, when we're at our house because <laughs> it's instant she's, likes. She's also always there, so <laughs> there's that. She is always there. Anyway, so back to Lancashire. Um... Jack, do you want to tell us what Lancashire is all about? Sure. So Brass is a game that's been out for a while, and it's uh, depending on who you talk to, because some people despise it, which is interesting. But typically speaking, a lot of people consider Brass to be Martin Wallace's sort of a magnum opus or crown uh, game, at least one of them. It's Brass and uh, Age of Steam or Steam are usually his top two games. And Martin Wallace excels in these designs, which are all about... Um, I don't want to say pick up and deliver, but it's sort of um, resource management of sorts, and usually involving routes. So Age of Steam is obviously based on trains, and uh, Brass is based on uh, canals. And, and trains. And trains, because it's, the best of everything. it's emulating the uh, early industrial era of uh, right. Britain. So we're getting smarter as we go on. Yeah, so it takes place over 100 years, I think. Uh, or I could be squaring that out. But. It didn't feel like 100 years. No, it only took felt like 50 years or something. It, it was late when we were doing it, and there was some... It, it's tough starting a game late and... Uh, yeah, but it didn't... Like, it definitely it didn't started to drag. Fly yeah. yeah, once we figured out what we were doing. So the whole drag. purpose of the game is you, you take on the role of a wealthy industrialist, a penny packer, and <laughs> for any Seinfeld fans out there, anyway. And what you're doing is there you start... Uh, you have a deck of cards that you're drawing from, and they either represent uh, a place on the board or an industry. And what you can do is you can play a card. You always get two actions, and you can choose one of these cards in your hand. Uh, and if you play a location, you're allowed to build something in that location uh, that you have available to. And on your player board, you've got a bunch of different types of industries. And if you play Brass Birmingham, your industries are different. Uh, Lancashire is. Uh, you've got ports. You've got coal mines. You've got iron forges. You've got shipyards. And you've got um, uh, cotton mills, and I, I might be missing another one. We've only played it once, but uh, and what happens is is that you've, your player board has a bunch of these level one industries at the bottom, and then they're level two, level three, level four, level five, and you can only get to the higher level ones, which are worth more points, after you've worked your way up through the bottom ones. Um, the only trouble is that if you start with the bottom ones, as t- the game moves on, 
after you go through the first round, basically time has passed and all your industries are considered obsolete. So all the stuff you put from level one goes away because people don't want that stuff anymore. So you're trying to work your way up to putting down these two, three, four buildings because they're worth tons of points. And if possible, you score them twice because a level two building and onward doesn't get removed if you build it in the first round. So without going into the weeds too much, it's all about building these uh, structures and you need resources to create them, which comes in the form of money, which is you get from income at the start of every uh, round, or whether you need coal and iron. Mm-hmm. And this is the game where it gets really interesting because if Kayla builds a coal mill or a coal uh, uh, mine, uh, there's a market to draw from. And if the market's full as far as coal is concerned, nothing happens. The coal mine gets built and it's just there. If the market has gaps in it, you immediately fill the market if you're connected to a relevant area with stuff from your coal mine, and you get paid for each of the tracks that you're filling up. If you manage to get rid of all your uh, coal that way, good for you. You've made a lot of money, and you get to flip your tile over. So now it's worth points. Now it's worth victory points, and that's the trick to the game is you're trying to flip tiles over whenever possible. On the other hand, if any coal is left over, whenever someone, including Kayla, wants to build and needs coal... As long as they're linked to that, they can take your coal. So this is good and bad. It's good in the sense of if I want to build something and I need to use coal, I have to take from Kayla's first if it is available to me and it's the closest to it. So in a sense, I'm helping Kayla because I take the last piece of coal, flip over her tile, she gets lots of points. But I'm using that coal too. So it's one of these games that the best way to figure it out is that you have to understand that in order to help yourself, you're going to help others. And the trick is not helping others more than you're helping yourself. And the game moves very, very quickly once you get the feel for it. The strategy eludes me um, because we've only played it once. But like Kayla was saying, in fact, I'll just straight up ask you, what did the game or how much of it did you understand based on Via Nebula or how many similarities did you see between them? I think there was a lot of similarities. I mean, not tons, but the whole like idea of getting resources on a route is very similar and the fact that the resources are shared like there's no ownership over the resources Mm -hmm. and also um uh what was i thinking i'm not really sure what else i was gonna say Uh, but i think there are similarities for sure yeah and if you had played steam because i played that with my parents which was an interesting experience because I I was talking to um, our uh, co-host at large, Joel, about this and saying how there are certain games that I will not even waste my breath trying to teach my parents if I, if I, even if I really like them, it's like, let's take Keyflower, for example, trying to teach that to my parents would be a nightmare. You would never in a million years be able to teach that. Whereas something like Steam, which I would argue is um, more complex in some senses than Keyflower, they can understand because it's less abstracted. It's more you're running a train company, you need to take mm. these cubes over here and you get paid for it and they're running costs. The trickiest part about Steam was that there's action selection so you can do this but you got to take this tile. And I was telling Joel that until the very last round of the game I was explaining to mom what all the tile, <laughs> what all the actions <laughs> were because it was just too much for her to understand. Give her a break. She tried. Yeah, she tried. And she, but here's the thing. They both had a good time and I think I... I don't even know if I won. I think dad or mom may have won that game, which is interesting. So, but the more... They're better at it than you. Of course they are. I'm very bad at all my games. I know. Except when I beat Kayla. So what does that make you? Never happens. (laughs) What are you talking about? 
So the, the bottom line, though, is that in order to understand a lot of Wallace's design is that it, it's all about roots and resources, but you typically do not own the resources or the roots. So you have to be very careful about opening things up or doing things uh, lest you help your mm-hmm. opponent more than you help yourself. Which I like. I think that's a really interesting um, mechanism. It's interesting because you just like you can't open up a coal mine and then rely on that coal to f- feed your next move because it could not, it may not be there, especially at higher player counts. At yeah. two, like, who knows what will happen, but at bigger player counts, it's almost like there's no reason to do it unless you really, like, unless you're going to fill the market and get money. Yeah, and that's what it seemed like was the smart, so two players is a little more loosey-goosey because, so you can build a coal mine this turn and then you want to build something next turn then you, at least you're using it. But there's no point building it if you're not going to fill up the market entirely. But yeah. it, it, again, it's still a new, new game to us, and the strategies will still emerge. But it's, I think, what did you think about the, the look of the game, Kellen? What about the components? I thought the components were beautiful. The game comes with some really lovely poker chips, which are nice. The art is really nice. The box is beautiful. Mm-hmm. I think it's really well done. The pieces all seem well and fine. I mm-hmm. didn't have any problems with them. And there's not that many components. It's mostly cards, which are beautifully done, and um, the little tiles. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah, so there's nothing wrong. Nice, thick chits for most of that stuff. For sure. And the- Unlike, there was a game recently that we played, and all the chits were like really small and hard to move around. It was a uh, splatter game. Oh, it was probably... Um, Indonesia? Well, <laughs> Indonesia's got its own problems, but I think it was Antiquity, because oh, they, they're antiquity. such all tiny, tiny... So you need tweezers to... Yeah, that's what we need. Yeah. Game tweezers. Well, it's not. It's actually not uncommon in uh, the war game circles that people use tweezers because they've got all these chits stacked on top of each other, or there's so many all around that you don't want to. It you can't reach over, or else you'll knock mm-hmm. things. So anyway, so what would you would you recommend brass after one playthrough, or what are your thoughts on this weird little game we've just walked into? I like it. I definitely want to play it again, and I want to try Birmingham. See yeah. what it's all about. Mm-hmm. So yeah. I would recommend it. And like Kayla mentioned before, this is a Kickstarter game, so um, I don't think it's come up too often on the show, or maybe it's been more in person, but Joel and I have talked about Kickstarter and how um, I think Kickstarter has really filled a nice little niche with reprints of certain games because guys, a lot of companies are, they're hesitant to straight up just publish a copy of a game on its own right now, especially of a weirder, older one, even if it's a good game. So, and whether or not you agree with it or not, I think by pushing it to the Kickstarter model, you can really sort of democratize in the sense of you can let everyone else decide, yes, I want this game. And you can also crowdfund some bonus parts to it as well, which is where these really great little poker chips come from. Um, and also boost the components as you go through, depending on how much money you make and the stretch goals you have set out in front of you. At the same time, you are offloading risk onto the <laughs> like hypothetical consumer. The game could have been garbage, and I would have been screwed. But I think so far, based on all the Kickstarter games I've done, I don't think I've been screwed once compared to software. Not, not yet, wood. so knock wood. But then again, I don't touch stuff that's goofy, like, um, let's say, like, the, the Evil Dead board mm. game or something that's obviously, like, just, to me, just n- nerd nostalgia uh, shakedowns. But anyway, so Brass, uh, Brass Lancashire and Brass Birmingham showed up. Very nice. Um, Caleb, was there anything else we've played recently? Uh, I can't think of anything really, just the usual, usual Azul. Mm-hmm. Which I'm sure you've mentioned before. Mm-hmm. 
Um, we also got in a game of Pandemic Legacy. Yeah, so it was very stressful. Yeah, we we it was neat because this was the first game of Pandemic Legacy we've played since Joel was um, in his tournament in Montreal, yeah. and. Uh, why don't you describe the our experience? Because we've been slow. I think it'd been how how many months since our last game? It's been a long time since our last game. I think our last game was in May, and before that was probably like a year. Because yeah. we were playing consistently with with a couple people, and it just kind of didn't work out. So yeah. now we've roped in Joel and his wife, mm-hmm. and uh, so the game was very stressful. We started out. We had uh, we had lost. It's May. So one second before you go any further, Kel, be careful with the spoilers. Okay, that's fine. I will be careful with the spoilers. All right. So I won't get into detail, but I believe it was our second game in the month of May. Mm-hmm. And so we had finally had some funded events, and we got some other stuff. And uh, we started off within the first three turns. So it was, I think, um, Joel's wife started, and then me, and then Joel. We had uh, six outbreaks. We were... Yeah. <laughs> within three turns. It was bad. Like, really, if you know pandemic, you get, you get what, eight? Eight, I think, Eight. Yeah. You get eight. You get eight outbreaks before you die. There's a lot of ways to get out, lose the game in pandemic, and eight outbreaks is one of them. So we got to six, and we were very stressed. So before we, I had had a before turn. Jack had even had a turn, we were at six. So we had to be very careful, yeah. very thoughtful, uh, very aggressive, which I think was really a good strategy. I think that in pandemic legacy, especially because of all the different things that are going on, mm-hmm. you have to be very aggressive. And uh, luckily, we came out ahead. We won the uh, we won the month. We were successful. Yeah, it was good, but it was really hard. Down to the wire. Really, it was so down the wire. We were starting to get low on the on the player deck. So we were about to. There was a lot of ways you can die in pandemic. If you haven't played, you can. <clears throat> run out of the player deck cards. You can have too many outbreaks. You can run out of cubes to put on the board. Yeah. Uh, we were very close to all of those. Uh, so it was it was pretty big deal that we won. And we had to chew through two of our um, use once cards too to get that away with it. Sad, but it was. But, it, but I think it was worth it. I think it was very worth it. It was tense, and you can see why when you play it too that it, it's um, up there on the board game geeks. Uh, best games of all time because the even though you're doing the same thing over and over again it's just that the amount of nice little changes to the core gameplay it just works so seamlessly and you feel like you're having you're playing through something that's developing and I think that I haven't played season two yet and to be honest aside from Risk Legacy I think and Gloomhaven and Gloomhaven does something a little different I haven't played a game that feels like it's changing so nicely uh, from game to game. And especially if you play Legacy, you know what I'm talking about with the, the significant change that happens about, I'd say, halfway through the game with the, uh, I'll just say, the, the diseases that alter. Um, it's lovely. And I, I'm, I'm always surprised that more people haven't done their own legacy get version of games i think there's a betrayal or um a betrayal in the house of hill legacy game coming out which if betrayal stinks maybe the legacy version will be the good one who knows but the fact that pandemic did such a good job with it it makes me just wonder why more companies haven't done it but it must be a lot of work maybe to put it out there and maybe a lot of money maybe z-man's the only one who can handle it but um Either way, very, very tough, and I think it gets into the whole challenge thing, too, because when a game is challenging, especially co-op, and you win, 
it really makes you feel like you've accomplished something versus some other games, or even Base Pandemic, which if you aren't playing on uh, one of the two highest difficulty settings, I think you can consistently win, but depends on who you're talking to. So Pandemic Legacy, still a hit, still tons of fun, but uh, I think if you haven't played it yet, you owe it to yourself to give it a shot because it is it's a unique experience. So... Um, I think we will take a quick musical break and then we'll be back in a moment to discuss uh, our theme of the week. So stay tuned.
tell you how uh, sorry I am. I know how much Jim uh, in particular meant to you, Ethan, personally as well as professionally. Yeah. It's a passport uh, visa, usual drill. We'll work the exfiltration through Canada to brief you at Langley. Uh, throw the Prague police a bone or two, you know, toss them a few suspects. You follow me? Yeah, I follow. I think we've lost enough agents for one night. You mean I've lost enough agents for one night? You seem hell-bent on blaming yourself, Ethan. Is left. Yeah. See your point. Why was there another team? What? Of IMF agents at the embassy tonight. I don't quite follow you. We'll see if you can follow me around the room. Drunk Russians on the embankment at seven, eight o'clock. The couple waltzing around me at the embassy at nine and eleven. The waiter standing behind Hannah at the top of the stairs. Bow tie, twelve o'clock. The other IMF team. You're worried about me. Why? Well, for a little over two years, we've been spotting serious blowback in IMF operations. We have a penetration. The other day, we decoded a message on the internet from a Czech we know as Max. The arms dealer. That's right. Max, it seems, has two unique gifts. A capacity for anonymity and for corrupting susceptible agents. This time, he'd gotten to someone on the inside. He'd gotten himself in a position to buy our knocklist. Uh, operation he referred to as Job 314, the job he thought Galitzin was doing tonight. Clinton stole was a decoy. That's correct. The actual list is secure at Langley. Galitzin was a lightning rod. He was one of ours. This whole operation was a moment. This whole operation was a moment. Yeah. The mole's deep inside. And like you said, you survived. I'll show you something, Ethan. Since your father's death, your family's farm has been in receivership. Now, suddenly, they're flush with over 120 grand in the bank. Your father's illness was supposed to have wiped out that bank account. Dying slowly in America, after all, can be a very expensive proposition. So, why don't we quietly get out of here onto a plane? I can understand you're very upset. Kittredge, you've never seen me very upset. All right, Hunt. Enough is enough. You have bribed, cajoled, and killed, and you have done it using loyalties on the inside. You want to shake hands with devil that's fine with me. I just want to make sure that you do it in hell.
Welcome back to CFRU 93.3 FM. What you just heard was Trouble by Danny Elfman from the 1996 Mission Impossible soundtrack. And what you just heard as well was, I think, one of my favorite scenes in the uh, 96 film when uh, Ethan Hunt, Tom Cruise, is uh, having uh, a less than relaxing post-mission meal with his uh, I guess CIA operative boss or heads up. I don't even know what his position is for Kittredge. Lovely little scene. Tons of fun. And Brian De Palma's uh, directing. If you watch the original Mission Impossible, it holds up today. It is an outstanding little movie. And as far as the cheesy um, let's take something from the uh, 60s or 50s and turn it into a movie of today... Uh, Mission Impossible, I think, is up at the top as, as far as the successes go. Uh, there's been a lot of flops if you look at, like, the McHale's Navy or the uh, Sergeant Bilko's and the rest of these things. Adam's Family, I'd put up there as well as the uh, very good sort of uh, TV-to-movie uh, versions as well, contemporary ones. Uh, but anyway, the reason I bring it up is because I don't know if you know about this, Kayla, but there's a there's a new Mission Impossible movie. There out. is? Yeah. Do you know I who, didn't know that. Do you know who's in it? Um, it's Tom Cruise. Tom Cruise. Tom Cruise and Ving Rhames. Has he ever been in a Mission Impossible movie before? No, this is his first. His first one. It's his first one. Wow, is uh, it his first movie ever? No, that's silly. Why would oh. they cast a c- complete unknown for I like the know. the fifth or sixth movie in a series? Mm-hmm. Why would they cast someone who's never been in any of the other ones? That's a good point. Shit, Jack. I think he's been in all of them. <laughs> anyway. Maybe it wasn't him. Maybe it was someone that was wearing a mask that looked like him. Pulls off the mask and it's just, it's not Tom Cruise. It's, it's Jack Runge. <laughs> I wish. I wish. That'd be a decent gig to be in the new Mission Impossible. <laughs> you have to do all the stunts. I, I could probably do some of them. Really? <laughs> Tom Cruise runs really fast. All right. Well, I could run too. Cut me some slack. I'm way taller than Tom Cruise, so I think I could at least match his stride. Like... Just, I may not be running as fast as him per se, but I. You had, to, I mean, no spoilers or anything, but you have to run really fast in this movie, Jack. Yeah, uh, Kayla and I saw Mission Impossible the other day. Uh, Mission also Poss- known as Mission Un- uh, Impeccable. Thanks to the Mission post. Impeccable. Thanks to the post. They give it a five star review. It's been getting crazy good reviews. Uh, Kayla, before we go any further, do you think uh, the outstanding reviews are 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 earned for this movie? Well, I I think it was a good movie. I think it was a good Mission Impossible movie. I think it was a good movie in general. Mm-hmm. I I'm kind of surprised the post gave it a five star just because it's like it's uh I don't know it's not like groundbreaking. It's not yeah. changing the world. It's, yeah. But I don't know. I thought it was a good movie. Is it? Yeah, the five star was confusing me after I left because, like you're saying, it's an entertaining movie, and it's I think that's. As far as action movies go, it's is it a new standard? I don't know about that, but the 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 directing is on point and the action scenes are really good, and uh, the acting is all fine too. So there's nothing distracting. Like everyone's good in it, and I think um, I'd say the weakest part of the movie would only be Henry Cavill, but he's not even that weak. It's just he's just I don't. He's definitely not weak, Jack. Well, he's gigantic and handsome, so whatever. Very handsome, especially with his rugged, like mostly mustache, but he's also got the beard going on as well. Uh, but I think he's just not handed that much to work with. He kind of just does Henry Cavill as the, um, I don't want to say antagonist, but the rival to uh, Tom Cruise in uh, in the movie. So 
Beside that, everyone's fine. Maybe Ving Rhames is a little weak, but again, maybe a little. Some of the dialogue here and there is a little, like, eh, like the part when he's explaining why Ethan's not with his wife, and it's like this was really cheesy. Can't believe it. Some of it's a bit cheesy, but what do you do? But you're in it for the action, and the action. You are. The is, action is good. Yeah, and it's. It, I think this is something. I keep saying this, but I was talking with Joel the other day about this, and that it's not until you watch a movie with, like, actual stunts, like a lot of practical real stunt work and not just CGI nonsense that you can appreciate I think it puts you in a position where if you're a em- slightly empathetic individual you can see this stuff and be like oh my god this is this is terrifying I don't care that it's not Arnold Schwarzenegger or Tom Cruise maybe doing this or in this case Tom Cruise did a bunch of them because he's tough because he's a tough guy but the fact that someone is doing this stunt somewhere is absolutely terrifying to me like some of the stuff with uh, like climbing the I, was was it actually him climbing the rope underneath the helicopter and the, all these rest of these yeah, things? Yeah, who knows? And the the rock climbing as well. It's like that's probably Tom Cruise in that. That's probably he Tom did that in the first movie. The second movie. Second movie. Yeah, the, the stinky second movie. He did one of the earlier movies. I can't so, keep track. Okay. Yeah. So anyway, Mission Impossible, fun movie. I wouldn't call it, like, groundbreaking, but you could do worse for a, a movie. Like, it's a movie to see in the theater. Let's just say that, too. Oh, definitely. It lends itself well to theater with the sound. The and sound and the big screen. The big screen. It's definitely a Tuesday night, cheap night movie. Yeah, yeah. Or if you are you really love this series and you love yeah. action movies, like, you, you won't be upset. Yeah, if you like the series, definitely go see. Mm-hmm. The reason I played the clip from the first one is just because um, I think the first one is the most different one of the entire series because it is a mostly serious spy thriller with a lot of twists and turns and betrayals. And if you pay attention to it, you can really... There is a, a mystery to kind of piece mm. together, which I think is we quite nice. We should watch nice. it again. Yeah, it's I, been a while. I love watching it. We'll get to <laughs> wannabe friend of the show, uh, Andrew, on, or Andrew to watch it because it's one of his favorite flicks too. But it is it holds up today because I think... The, the acting and the directing and the writing and also the special effects are so good that something made in 1996, which is, what is it, 22 years old? Real old. 22-year-old <laughs> film is, I think, putting to shame a lot of these modern spy thrillers. And I think it comes down to the fact that people miss what makes a good spy movie, and that's actually caring about the mystery, caring about, like, the the because a good spy movie is kind of like a heist movie and that you need to have this payoff you need to have this setup and breaking in and maybe the 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 feeling that you're one step behind the lead character so when they do something kind of cool or they get uh uh sideswiped you're like oh wow i'm I'm taken aback by this a lot of the, the contemporary movies they don't care about that <clears throat> excuse me they're just uh, delivering this linear sort of adventure that Oh, did you see the helicopter explode? That was pretty cool, wasn't it? It's like, okay, yeah, well, fine. Even though the first one has a great helicopter explosion, by the way. Anyway, so in honor of Mission Impossible and lots of spying and sneaking around, Kale and I have come up with a list of sneaky games. We have. So it's very sneaky. I'll give Kayla the, the board games, and I've got four video games here, and we'll go bouncing back and forth here. So, Kayla, what would you say is, what's, uh, what's the top of our sneaky game list, sneaky spy game list? Well, I think the top of the list in terms of does it meet the criteria of being a spy sneaky movie is probably Spy Fall, because it has spy in the name. <laughs> so, obviously that one. Spy Fall, lovely little... Um, 
party game? Yeah, it's a party game for sure. That uh, We've talked about it before on the show. I forget what context it came up in, but do you want to break it down? What's the... Uh... No? All right. So the game is basically you've got a bunch of people who are all on one team, mm-hmm. and there's one person who's the spy, and the spy is pretending to be on their team, except the spy has none of the information that the rest of the, the other team has. So what happens is a location is dealt out to everyone except for the spy. The spy just gets a card that says, you are the spy. And everyone else is trying to figure out who the spy is uh, by asking each other questions about their location. And everyone has an occupation as well. So let's say you got sent to the zoo or the zoo is the location where the spy is hiding out. So I say to Kayla, I say, Kayla, uh, because the spy wins if he guesses where the location Mm -hmm. is. So you have to be careful in asking questions. That's not too explicit, but it's also not too vague. So I say to Kayla, it's like, Kayla, uh, what sort of things do you hear where you are? And even that's a tricky question because then Kayla, so Kayla's a spy. She says something very evasive, kind of like, I hear lots of people walking around and hopes to God that this like big big enough. I hear wind. I hear wind. (laughs) 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 Even wind might be tricky because it's like. Who knows where that might be? But yeah, but if you're too vague, they're gonna call you out and be like, no, no, no. Yeah, no, yeah. No. So if you're again for sense so of like, souls, really... if you got to act your way, you got to have some fun here. And it gets, and it, it sounds bad, but a lot of these types of games are enhanced when people have had a couple drinks because you get a little more bold or emboldened, and the spies maybe a little riskier, and everyone's just a little loosened up a bit. So anyway, Spyfall, inexpensive game, a lot of fun. Spyfall two came out recently. I haven't played it yet, but I imagine it's just more of the same. And if that's so, great. Um. For my first video game pick, I'm going to go with uh, Monolith Games put out some of the greatest games of, of all time. Uh, you have My Dear uh, dear and Beloved uh, Blood, which is one of the greatest first-person shooters of the uh, build era. And then you also have the Outstanding Fear, which still holds up again, speaking of games, or speaking of things that are old but have uh, are still somehow better than stuff coming out today. Um, before... Uh, Fear and After Blood in between they released a game called No One Lives Forever and there was a sequel to it, uh, No One Lives Forever 2 Spy in Harm's Way Um, that was in my opinion better but the premise is you play a female spy named uh, oh I'm going to screw up her name I'm just going to call her Jane (laughs) but it was a, a play on the 60s sort of spy movies and you're basically a female James Bond you're sassy, you've got all these gadgets, you're running around solving missions, you have to be careful, and it's a first-person shooter, but it's a stealth game. You don't want to start fights, you don't have to set off alarms, and you have to be sneaky in how you do things. It uh, The first one's a little weak, it's a long game, but it has these ray-traced enemies, and their accuracy is way too good, and it's a little buggy. Second one is a little bit shorter, but way prettier. They tame the enemy accuracy down, and the game is just tons of fun. So no one lives forever. Good luck finding a copy, but outstanding game. Kayla, what would you say is your number two board game? The next one on the list is Deception and Murder in Hong Kong. Deception? Deception. Murder. murder in that Hong happens a lot in Mission Impossible. There's tons of deceiving, lots of murder. I don't Always know what the body murder. count was in this one, but it was pretty high, I think. Mm-hmm. Um so why? What can you describe Deception for us? Uh, it's been a while since I played. I can help you out if you need it. But I believe what happens is that there someone is dead. Yeah, that's a good start. Uh huh. Right, murder. And are they in Hong Kong? Uh, yeah. <sighs> two Kong. for two. I know. Whew, winning. And you're trying to figure out how they died. Yeah, basically. It's kind of like Clue. 
It is. It's similar to Why Clue. Why is Clue not on this list? Because, uh, I don't know. We, we, Clue is an honorary mention oh, now. Fine. So Deception's main uh, gimmick is that there's a victim, and the victim is murdered using three different uh, things. There's a motive, weapon, and uh, where it was done, I think. I forget. And um, what happens is is that one person is the murderer. One person is the... Um, Detective? Everyone's detective. One person's uh-huh. the coroner, I think. And the coroner can lead people to, to the answers. They know what it is. So they're trying to help everyone get to there. But they can't say... They can't give you anything um, concrete. They can just eliminate things or guide you in the right direction. Uh, so it's similar to Mysterium, which I think I prefer to mm-hmm. Deception. I do where like you have Mysterium, a, where you have same. A, yeah, where you have a ghost trying to give you a spooky spooky ghost who's trying to lead you towards the Mm -hmm. the weapon location and motive for the i think the motive or the person who did the murder and in this case in deception you're going through and there's all these cards they're all random objects and you're trying to guess and you're talking to each other and working things out and meanwhile the murderer is trying to side like throw wrenches into your discussions but they can't they can't reveal themselves because if they get revealed they lose as well so deception murder hong kong fun little game I think it's a little too random for my liking. That, yeah, uh, it's not my favorite. I didn't mind playing it, but I definitely would rather play Mysterium. Yeah, Mysterium has is more of a Dixit-style game, and that's more interesting as far as I'm concerned because it, it's less of an utterly random thing, whereas the ghost is guiding you and you're trying to interpret, you're trying to read what this player is is thrown at you and occasionally it's deeply confusing as a ghost it can be very frustrating if you're i guess if you're trying to get people to understand a certain thing but they're latching on to something else entirely with these abstract images but anyway uh deception slash mysterium slash clue so we did three in one that's pretty good um my number two game video game would be the splinter cell series which is uh made its premiere on the original xbox um way back in the day starring uh, Michael Ironside, is that, uh, I think that's his name, uh, as uh, Sam Fisher. And it was a stealth uh, stealth game in the vein of the number three choice coming up. But it was a Tom Clancy game, so it was much more of a spy-oriented adventure. There was tons of mechanics, it looked great, and Sam Fisher is famous for his his goggles that would change, you could change to infrared or change to um, uh, the ultraviolet and... It was a lovely mix of stealth mechanics and tactical opportunity, and likely and well deserved became a uh, legendary video game series or franchise until recently. I think it's mostly lying dormant because Ubisoft did a very poor job with some of the more recent ones. But anyway, Splinter Cell, uh, number two for video games. Kayla, what would you say? Next one is uh, Sheriff of Nottingham. There's very little murder, but there is lots of deception mm-hmm. and sneaking around. Mm-hmm. So Sheriff of Nottingham. Uh, one person is a sheriff, and everyone else is trying to sneak things into Nottingham. Um, not necessarily sneak things in. They're trying to bring things into market into Nottingham. Yeah. Um, but there are very strict rules here, and you can't bring in contraband, mm-hmm. like alcohol. Or firearms. Or firearms. Or pepper. <laughs> or certain chickens. <laughs> or cheese. There are some chicken that are not welcome in Nottingham. Get over it. Yeah. They have mad chicken disease. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So you're trying to sneak it past the Sheriff of Nottingham. Sometimes you have to pay him off. Sometimes you just try to sneak past him. Sometimes he catches you and you lose everything. It's, it's very stressful. It's a, it's a, again, it's a party game, but it works best when you don't take it too seriously. And if you're trying to play it as a game game, you're going to not have a good time. No, it's definitely for fun. But you should well, be play- all games should be for fun. Yeah, yeah. But this one especially is yeah. that you, the whole thing is that 
similar to what we were saying before with um, the first game we are talking about with Pitt, you're putting things into a bag and you have to be honest about the quantity and then you can only say one type. So you're shoving four apples into your bag and you put in one crossbow. You have to say five apples, Sheriff. And this is where the game gets tons of fun because the Sheriff looks at you and says, pay me to let you in. And you say, but Sheriff, I have nothing to pay you with. I am just bringing apples into the market. The Sheriff says, pay me. And you say, well, tell you what, Sheriff, even though I'm not breaking the law, I'll give you $2 for you to allow me through just as a sign of good faith. And then the Sheriff smells blood in the water and demands more. <laughs> so you, there's all these negotiations. The only rule is you can't lie about quantity and, of the cards in there. And once the Sheriff has snapped the bag... That's There's it. There's no going back. There's no going back. And after that, I mean, there are some rules, but th- those are the big ones. So Sheriff Nottingham, lovely game. The expansion just came out. I haven't picked it up yet. I haven't looked at it, but I'd be curious to see what it, uh, uh, if it changes anything uh, tremendously or not. So uh, my third choice for video games involving spies and sneaking um, is going to be Thief. Thief is a game that came out, I think, in 98, maybe 97, but I'm going to say 98, by Looking Glass Studios, which was made of a bunch of X um, origin um, I think it was Origin developers. And Thief was revolutionary at its time for being FPS, first-person sneaker. And you take on the role of a thief named Garrett, and you're dropped into this city, that's all it's called, known as The City. And it's this strange, it's borderline steampunk world, but it was, it's not steampunk like those goofballs you see running around today. It's, it was steampunk in a more grittier, darker, it, it was, imagine a medieval city that happened to have figured out um, how to, using magic and also industry, produce a level of technology at that time that seems anachronistic. But the cool thing was that as Garrett, you're a thief, you're very quiet, but the sound design was impeccable. So every surface was coded to respond differently to the player's interactions. You can run across stuff that's going to make tons of noise. If you sneak, it's going to make less noise. Certain surfaces are going to be louder than others. Like if you are designed to jump around on uh, 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 metal boards or metal planks, it's going to make tons of noise and guards are going to be noticed and they're going to start to investigate. And what's cool about it is you can go through the game entirely non-lethal. If you want to avoid a guard entirely, you never have to hurt anyone the entire game. If you want to knock everyone out, you can do that. If you want to murder everyone in the entire game, it's up to you. The game doesn't tell you you have to do this certain way. And there's often multiple ways to achieve your objectives as well. Um, and also, fighting is extremely discouraged because Garrett is quite weak and doing this sort of stuff is probably going to end up getting you swarmed by enemies and you're going to be dead pretty quickly. So, Thief was revolutionary at the time for changing what a first-person game was supposed to look at, or supposed to play like, and influenced uh, stealth games for years to come. Not to mention the sound and the design was incredible. The uh, graphics were, I think they're okay at the time. They There are various sort of uh, texture packs to make it look a bit better. There's tons of fan missions. People are still making content for this game today because it's that good. So if you get a chance, you can pick them up on Steam or GOG uh, for dirt cheap. If you haven't played them, you owe it to yourself to play them. Thief 2 was possibly better than the first one even. So give them a shot, the Thief series. Kayla. So the next one on Jack's list, I don't like, so I won't talk about. Um, 
We're just I'll just gloss over it quickly. No, we just just blow right. Theory of Dracula. It's a Dracula is basically sneaking around the entire game at all. And then Letters from Whitechapel is very similar. It's Jack the Ripper sneaking around the entire game while everyone else is trying to find him. And then I'm just gonna throw in Mr. Jack in there as well. It's Jack the Ripper sneaking around trying not to get caught by the other players. Whereas Mr. Jack's at least only a two player game. I don't know if Letters from Whitechapel is either. I haven't played it. I didn't mind Mr. Jack. It's not the worst. I, I'd have it's to. It's kind of like like whoever. There's one character who will like essentially always win. Is it? I'm pretty sure. Isn't that wasn't that our experience? We there was one like either the detective or Jack will always win. Yeah, I, I couldn't. I just bounced off it. It didn't seem very. It seemed too loose to me, and yeah. kind of. I want to see people who know what they're doing play the game, so I can understand what they're up to. But uh, I'm glad you liked Mr. Jack more than I did. It was okay. I'm not like scrambling. To I'm not great. Yeah, I don't game. need to buy a copy. I'm good. No. Uh, so anyway, what would be our last one there, Kill? Uh, Scotland Yard. Have you played Scotland Yard? No. So speak. All these games have something in common, which is that it's one versus many, which is a style of game. Scotland Yard. Joel and I were talking about actually uh, earlier this week. Because, uh, or it was last week, because I think you came across a copy of it. It's fairly common to see in thrift stores. And you can, it's one of these staples of, Scotland Yard was always the game that kind of like the weird kids had. Because their parents like didn't like Monopoly or didn't like the other ones. And they're like, well, let's do something a little more intelligent. So they get Scotland Yard. It's not a bad game. But the whole premise is you have Mr. X running around England. And uh, you've got the rest of the investigators trying to follow his trail and basically trap him before he gets away. Because I forget, there's X amount of moves he makes, and then he's gone. So similar to Fury of Dracula, where it's one player versus many, you're chasing this one person who's trying to evade everyone else, which is basically a spy movie. All the spies chasing somebody, especially in England, based on this Mm -hmm. new Mission Impossible. So Um, my last game that uh, I hastily compiled together for this list is one of my favorite game series of all time. Of all time. Of all time? Of all time. And uh, it's an entire game series for sneaking and spying, and that is Metal Gear Solid. If you have to be told what Metal Gear Solid is, um, just look up the Wikipedia article. There's way more than I'm going to say. But basically, it's a series that came out, I think, again in 98 on the PlayStation 1. Um, didn't Metal Gear Solid did. Metal Gear has been out for a while. Uh, but the first iteration, as we know it, kind of came out on uh, the PlayStation 1. And I remember borrowing it from the... Uh, <laughs> growing up, there was a fellow living next door t- uh, in my neighbor's basement. I think he was the boyfriend of one of the... Uh, the daughter's there, and he was going to school at the time, and he had a PlayStation 1. And uh, he, I, le- I lent him my N64, and he lent me his PlayStation with Metal Gear Solid, and I played Metal Gear Solid, and I couldn't believe what I was playing. It was like somebody had opened up another world to me because it was the it was a, a B-spy movie come to life with this arcade Japanese elements to it. And the series always took itself seriously enough to not render everything it did a joke but it had enough humor and wackiness to it that it wasn't it was as if the creator was kind of looking at you and winking every now and then just to know that you don't have to be sitting there on the edge of your seat all the time there's like for god's sake you have a man who runs away with diarrhea that allows you to escape from uh, a prison at one point in this game so it's obviously not super serious it's gone from 
one to two, which is widely considered to be one of the greatest games of all time, to three, which is my personal favorite, to four, which is an interactive movie, and to five, which is one of the greatest disappointments of all time, not because it was a bad game, but because it is a legendarily unfinished game. Um, But each one of them revolves around avoiding uh, a lot of combat, sneaking, grabbing information from people. You're a spy. Every game, you're a spy, and you're under usually behind enemy lines and you have to use your wits and your intelligence and you can't just go in guns a-blazing. This is not Doom, people. Doom itself is still a lot of fun, though. So, those are my sneaky games. No One Lives Forever, Splinter Cell, Thief, and Metal Gear Solid, and Spyfall, Deception, Slash Mysterium, Sheriff of Nottingham, Scotland Yard, and I think that'll be it for that list. Kale, is there Good anything you point. want to add about the uh, about sneak games? What do you do? You like them? Do you like the idea of playing as a spy? What about spies? That's kind of interesting. I, I do. I like games generally where you're maybe you're playing all together, but you're hiding something from other people, like Dark Moon. Mm-hmm. I think that's an interesting concept. Like you're still kind of playing your own game, but everyone else is still there. I thought about including Dark Moon on here, <laughs> but at the end of the day, it's more. It's a still. It's more of a. It'd be like putting resistance and. Yeah, uh, I don't think it's really the quite the same idea. Still a good game, though. Uh, close. It's actually a remake of Battlestar Galactica, the board game, which I think is actually out of print. So if anyone was listening and has a copy of Battlestar Galactica, I, hold on to it, because you are, especially if you have the expansions, because you are holding on to a little piece of history, and, unless you want to flip it for a bunch of cash, but to each their own. But Spy Games, check them out if you're into it. There's a lot of different ways to play them and a lot of different people who enjoy them. So... Jaunty drums. I like them. Lovely little bass. Bink, 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 bink. Kind of sounds like the Brazil. Brazil. Nope. No. Means we're at the end of another show. We are. I'm Jack. I'm Kayla. Thank you for listening to Android's Dungeon. Check us out on Twitter, AD Radio CFRU. Check us out on Instagram, just search Android's Dungeon. Send us an email, uh, AD Radio CFRU at gmail.com. Uh, just keep listening to the station. Keep listening to us. And oh, you can check us out on our podcast, too, on Anchor. So all the various podcast services, search Android's Dungeon. You'll know us when you see us because we're the only good one there. Have a good day. You're listening to CFRU 93.3 FM. Mom and Dad used to argue about everything, especially about Dad's drinking. My family went from totally crazy to quiet, calm, and even peaceful when Mom started going to Al-Anon family groups. I wanted a better relationship with Dad, so I asked Mom if she would take me to her Al-Anon meetings or to Alateen. I'm sure glad I did. If someone's drinking troubling you, you might be surprised at what you can learn in an Al-Anon or Alateen family group from people just like you. Call 1-888-4-AL-ANON or go to alanon.org. Tune in.